Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, I don't think anyone's adequately explained the unconstitutionality of these lockdowns. This matters. You're being shut out of your business, people being locked up, dragged out in handcuffs for daring to go to work. God forbid we did that, right? Like went to work and fed people and stuff like doctors going to work. People are being arrested for going to work and assembling. I thought we had a constitution. We haven't really explained what's going on there. I want to get to that in today's show. We have a, a killer interview here with one of these people who was arrested for daring, daring, daring to open the doors to their business. I got that. I got another update on the Flynn case, which is going to blow your mind. We've got an absolutely loaded show. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Shield your online activity from those prying eyes today. Get a VPN now. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. It's important. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe here with us today from the beginning. How are you today, fine sir? That's just amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm here with you, dude, and it's good to be here. So, yeah. I, Lots I of know. stuff. The show was kind of like in the beginning. If you listen to yesterday's show, which did great numbers on the Flint yeah. stuff, you could tell I'm a little off because Joe took a few minutes to jump in because we had some technical difficulties. <laughs> All right, we got a loaded show today, a lot of material to get through. So let's jump right into it. Today's show brought to you by our friends at, here it is, Brickhouse Nutrition, one of my original sponsors. These are friends of mine, but I don't sponsor their product or read for their product because they're friends of mine. I read because it's a damn good product. This is Field of Greens. This is a real superfood. It's not some fake healthcare powder made up of cheap fruit extracts. This is the real deal. It's real food. You don't believe me? Look on the back. Why does the back of this matter? Because that label, you probably can't read it, but that doesn't say supplement facts. That says nutrition facts because this is real food. This is ground up, healthy, wholesome, fresh fruits and vegetables. One scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA organic fruits and vegetables, complete with all of those healthy antioxidants, micronutrients. We know fruits and vegetables are the key to a long, healthy life. Paula and I live by this stuff. Paula throws, what are you taking in? You take, you just put it in water, right? Yeah, I take it in green tea, sometimes V8. I love it. One scoop of this daily will power you with clean, real energy to fuel a healthier and happier lifestyle. We love this stuff. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Get 15% off your promo your first order with promo code Dan. They just came out with a wild berry flavor too. It's delicious. Give it a try. Again, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan, promo code Dan. And while you're there, check out Foundation too. If you like looking good, you know, big muscles performing better in the gym, that kind of stuff. Foundation. And feel the greens we love it. All right, Joe, let's go. There we go. I needed that bill you say. Gets my head in place. All right. Um, you know, before we get to the Flynn stuff and another just explosive revelation that I didn't forget to put in, we were just out of time yesterday. I want to get to this, these unconstitutional lockdowns. Um, and what they may be doing to harm public health. Wait, 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 wait. That can't possibly be. Joe, we've been told by the experts, dreaded air quotes here, experts. Yeah that the lockdowns were necessary to preserve public health. That Gosh, if we didn't lock down the economy, mm -hmm. the Wuhan virus would spread throughout the country and we would have these uh, dramatic uh, death counts, which are, they have been bad. I mean, let's, mm -hmm. let's be clear at this point. This was right. not the flu. This is clearly more contagious than the flu and clearly more deadly for people who are susceptible. Older folks, people who are obese and people with comorbidities. Let's be clear. But the original IMHE models of the death counts were way way overinflated. That's just a fact. It's not a matter of my opinion. You can look up those uh, potential death counts yourself in contrast to what the real world says. So we were told that these lockdowns and basically the bankrupting of America was a necessity in order to preserve public health. Now, keep in mind, I'm, gonna I'm not going to get into yet the economic argument here. It's an important one. Saying, oh, Dan, you can't make this all about the money. You can't put a price on human life. I've argued from the beginning. I don't do that. You do that. I do it for my life. I'm not putting a price on your life. You do it all the time. Right. You may say, oh, my gosh, that is horrible, Dan. You can't say that. You're suggesting I put a price on my own life? Yes, of course you do. You drive, right? You, do you get a flu shot? I mean, it's not a knock on you at all to my listeners. Why would I do that? You're my listeners. You're my audience. I produce the show for you. I'm simply suggesting that people who want to simply make this about economics don't understand the, how we gauge risk in a world of competing bad choices. There's no good choice here with this virus. There's competing bad choices. You get that. Just like you have competing bad choices to travel. Not a lot of people enjoy plane travel. Let's be honest. Unless you have a private jet, which I don't have. 
they don't. People don't enjoy it. It's it's you're cramped. It stinks. Even first class, you're stuck in a tube. Nobody wants to be there. Why do you do it? Is it dangerous? Eh, mildly, the chance of you dying in a plane crash is not very high. But it could be dangerous. But you do it anyway. Why? Because you've determined you'll take that risk and put your own life at risk because you want to travel, take a vacation, do a business meeting. You do it every day. Anyone who suggests to you you can't put a price on human life is not living in the real world where people, not me, I do it for myself, but not us, do it every single day. People smoke, people drink. They know the research on it. Moderate alcohol use may be beneficial. Extreme alcohol use, clearly not. People still do it. Yeah. I thought you can't put a price on human life. They do it all the time. So the question now is, if we were told and sold this lockdown model, we need to bankrupt you because, again, putting the economics now aside for a minute, now that I've kind of put that primer out there, let's just move to the public health thing. Forget the economics of it for a moment, even though it's important. We were told, yes, this is clearly necessary to improve our collective public health. If we don't do it, more people are going to die. Really? Look at this article at the Daily Signal. This is fascinating. How is this increasing public health? Uh, am, I, uh, am, I, uh, am I missing something? Daily Signal, unless healthcare workers return to work ASAP, more hospitals could close. Well, yeah. Producer Drew, by the way, there's a video side, gets a kick out of my gesticulations here. Uh, this is not an act. I just, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just kind of curious. I just want to know. <laughs> you told us this is for public health. So now... Our public health infrastructure, i.e. our hospitals, are now going bankrupt. The Literally, the people, the doctors, the nurses, and the staff there, lab workers, people who keep a hospital open, the, everyone from the custodians to the brain surgeon who keep the hospital open to preserve your life. Many of us, I'm not a doctor, don't have the skills to save our own life. I can't stitch myself up, neither can my wife. We're now bankrupting them in the name of public health. So again, Besides the economic destruction that happened, you can't put a price on a human life. People do it every day. We were told clearly these lockdowns are a necessity because public health's at risk. How is bankrupting hospitals not putting public health at risk? I'll wait. Um, I'm, 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 anyone? Have we thought this through? I understand the initial initial reaction when there was a lot of uncertainty surrounding this deadly virus. People did not understand the R naught or how contagious it was. They didn't understand the fatality rate. I get it. I understand the precautionary principle I get. But after just a few weeks, we had an idea and were able to get our arms around what this virus was and what it did and who was vulnerable. Why we are continuing this lockdown now with no exit strategy at all at this point, in many places, not continuing everywhere. You have locked down Larry Hogan in Maryland. You have uh, uh, tyrannical Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. Yeah. Why we're still continuing with no runway to take. We have no, there's no, there's no vaccine. You're going to keep it. What's your exit plan? We're going to lock it down for, well, we're waiting for the curve to flatten. To what? You're, you're waiting to flatten the economy and bankrupt our hospitals. You may have a flattened curve from coronavirus, but you're going to have you're not going to reach an asymptote ever when it comes to heart attacks, strokes, and other things. You have no hospitals to treat people up. Here's another one from the Daily Signal. Remember, we're putting the economics of this aside for a moment, how this has destroyed lives, even though we shouldn't, but doing just for a moment. Right. Let's look at the public health angle. This is how it was sold to us. This is going to be better for public health by bankrupting hospitals and knocking off our food supply. Daily Signal. Virginia Allen. A little curious about this one. Daily Signal. Here's what we know about a possible meat shortage amid COVID-19. Not like we need essential amino acids or proteins or anything. I mean, come on, meat. Who needs meat? We can eat grass like cows, even though we don't have the ability to digest it. A little roughage. Ugh. Please don't eat grass. It's a joke <laughs> for liberals. They'll be like, Bunge. you know, like they did with Trump. Trump told you to inject Lysol. Dan says eat grass. Please don't eat grass for the liberals who believe Trump told them to inject Lysol. I'm begging you, don't do that. You don't have the enzymes like cows to digest it. I'm not sure if you knew that. <laughs> so now we have a hospital shortage pending as these hospitals slowly go bankrupt. And we have a meat shortage developing. Yeah, you see, liberals don't understand, you know, is there 22 amino acids, eight are essential. 
you can't produce them by recombining other amino acids, proteins. You need these essential amino acids to make complete proteins. You need to get them from your diet. You know, libs like science, science, data. Science. I, am, I know science and data. You're like, science. liberals are like, science, data. <laughs> but keep in mind, when liberals say, right, Joe? When liberals say science yeah. and data, what do they mean? They mean politics. When yeah. conservatives say science and data, they mean facts and figures. Just throwing that out there. So yes, let's starve people to death. They don't act yeah, protein. Who needs protein? Yeah. We'll eat rice cakes all day. And let's bankrupt their hospitals. That's just genius. Here's another gem I found in the Wall Street Journal this morning. And by gem, I mean a lump of coal in our stockings here. Remember, these lockdowns are all for public health. Medical research is locked down too. Clinical trials are grinding to a halt as patients are told to stay home and research personnel are redeployed by Kevin Schiff in the Wall Street Journal. Schiff, I think I may have said that wrong. You get the point. This is great public health. This is just terrific. So we're bankrupting our hospitals, depleting our food supply, and we're also stopping hospital research into strokes, heart disease, and other diseases that are still high. By the way, these other diseases for liberals out there did not take a hiatus. They are not on vacation. Cancer doesn't have a collective Borg-like hive mind where it goes, cancer, cancer soldiers out there. I'm speaking as the general of cancer. There will be no more cancer because we're dealing with the Wuhan virus. Go on hold, Mr. Cancer, and your cancer lieutenants. Send the word out to the cancer source. That's not happening. Cancer's still happening. Research into cancer, however, is not, which is probably killing people. But I thought this was good for public health. A lockdown Larry in Maryland and others. And Whitmer in Michigan. Lock it down. Lock it down, man. Oregon and others. Oregon, another one. The Kate Brown up there, lock it down. Yeah, but it's in the issue of public health. No, it's not. It's actually killing people. People will die, make no mistake, from probably pending food shortage. It will be devastating. I say probably because it's happening in isolated places, and I'm not hyperbolic like the left. It will happen if this continues. Mm -hmm. Hospital shortages, which we know are coming if this doesn't open up soon because they're going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And medical research, that's not happening into diseases that are, yes, still killing people because they're not on vacation. So frustrating, folks. Now, a little more here. I had said yesterday that these lockdowns are being enforced, sadly, by some police officers on the front line. Granted, being put in an awful position, but I get it. You swore an oath to the Constitution that matters. That doesn't take a vacation. I have, Again, I've been with, I've backed the blue. I was one of you. I get it. I've honored and respected your service, and I deeply appreciate the emails many of you in support, in support of the patriots out there who still believe in liberty. I get those emails, and I want to thank you. Unfortunately, there are a limited number of police officers I believe are being put in a bad position and unfortunately are acting on it. Just following orders is not an excuse. It's never an excuse. It isn't. You swore an oath. That oath matters. I know it doesn't come up every day, but we haven't been in a crisis like this. And if the only time we can count on you to honor that oath is when there's not a crisis, then we got a crisis. And it's not the crisis you think. I had suggested yesterday that it's time for the police unions to stand up. That is the solution. You can't leave these cops out there on their own. With orders from communist de Blasio, go lock up anyone who's uh, without within six feet or harass them. No, you can't do that. It was time for the police unions, and it's happening. The police unions to stand up. Here is the New York City PBA, Patrolman's Benevolent Association. It's a de facto um, union, you know, uh, organization that, that lobbies on behalf of cops. I was a member of the PBA in the past. Finally, Pat Lynch is the PBA president, says, listen, this situation is untenable. The NYPD needs to get the cops out of the social distance enforcement business altogether. The cowards who run this city have given us nothing but vague guidelines and mixed messages, leaving the cops on the street corners to fend for ourselves. Nobody has a right to interfere with police action. But now that the inevitable backlash, the inevitable backlash has arrived, they are once again throwing us under the bus. Yes. Yes. The verdict is in. Nice job, Patty Lynch. Nice job. Good for you the world's largest police department in the world's largest police union, the PBA, the New York City Patrolman's Benevolent Association, taking a stand and saying, no, good for you. You're my brothers and sisters out there. You know, I've been with you from the beginning and I understand the spot you've been put in, but this is not right. 
It's not right. And I'm humbly and with the greatest of respect asking you again, because we are in a crisis and you are the thin crust in the volcano. If we lose you and you fall prey to the wrong side of this, it's over. Remember that line. What is it? Havelock Ellis? Civilization, as we know it, is a thin crust on a volcano, ready to explode at any minute. You're that thin crust. If we lose you to the other side, it's over. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. This is some Jedi story about the dark side. This is the real world. And if you're out there enforcing what we know are unconstitutional orders, everything's lost. We need you to stand up. And thank God Patty Lynch and the New York City PBA decided to do so. Okay, um, let me get to just another spot. Tuesday's always a loaded day. I appreciate it. And thank you always for supporting our sponsors. are always great. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Policy Genius. Listen, we love Policy Genius. You in the market for life insurance, disability insurance, go to policygenius.com and compare quotes in just minutes. Policygenius.com, policygenius.com. There's never a bad time to save money, but now more than ever, finding smart ways to put cash back in your pocket makes a big difference. One way to do that is to simply save on the things you already pay for, like home insurance. If you own a home, reshopping your home insurance rates with Policy Genius could save you a good chunk of change. And the best part is you barely need to lift a finger to do it. First, head over to policygenius.com. Just answer a few questions about yourself and your property. Then Policy Genius will compare your policy against options from top insurers to make sure it's getting you the right home insurance coverage at the best possible rate. If Policy Genius finds a better rate than what you're currently paying, they do all the work and they get you switched. Save that money. Stop overpaying. You own a car too? Policy Genius is there for you. They'll compare your home and auto and policies across different auto insurers and even mix and match to find you savings. They save their customers an average of $1,127 per year doing just that. That is real money. So you'd like to put a little cash back in your pocket right now and see how much you can save by reshopping for home insurance rates? Go to policygenius.com, policygenius.com, policygenius.com. Save that money today, policygenius.com. Okay. Uh, so getting back to this, again, these lockdowns, we addressed in the beginning the economics of it just briefly, how it's foolish to say, you know, we can't put a price on a human life because you do it every day. The price of this has been catastrophic. The question is, was that price worth it to save lives? And I just told you, if you're arguing that that price is worth it because we're saving lives, how are we saving lives by bankrupting our hospitals, stopping medical research and drying up our food supply? I'm just not sure. Yeah. Thank you to the PBA for stepping up. But I, just briefly, I wanted to get into this. Before I get to this quick interview, I did about a 10-minute interview with Jax Myers from Apex Tattoo Factory in Apex, North Carolina. Jax was hauled out of his shop in handcuffs for daring to go back to work. Jax has to open up his shop because he had three kids to feed, and he just bought a house, and his business is going to go under. According to him, he was one of the number one, uh, one of the, number, the top uh, tattoo shops in North Carolina. I had never met Jax before, but I reached out to him, and it's important on this show to highlight people like that are struggling. I interviewed him last time. I'm going to play that in a second, but I just want to be sure you understand, as I addressed in the opening, is any of this constitutional? Ladies and gentlemen, the answer is no. You may say, Dan, if it's not, where did the governors get this power to lock down the economy, arrest people on a beach? Well, they get it from their inherent police powers delegated to them. And remember, the 10th Amendment does matter here. There's, there are powers delegated to the states. The question isn't do they have the power to do it? They do. The governors do have an, they have the power through these police powers to act in the public health interest. Mm -hmm. That's not the question. The question is, are the actions they've taken in the interest of public health, these actions, are these in fact constitutional? The answer is no. What do I mean? Anytime you, you, uh, engage in a government-sponsored action, a law or an executive order from these governors that conflicts with basic constitutional roles and duties, excuse me, constitutional rights, big R rights. That's, that's important. Anytime you do that, Joe, follow me here. I don't want to lose anyone. Mm -hmm. Anytime you do that, mm -hmm. there's going to be this, because it can be done. You may say, well, Dan, you can't, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the First Amendment says we you know, with the establishment of a religion, but we can't do that. Peaceful assembly. We know all the rights, free speech, petition, the media. But if the media prints a story tomorrow saying everyone should go out and like uh, assassinate a political figure, you're not allowed to do that. No. <laughs> so there are limits. There are limits to 
The limits, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not explaining this right, but this is critical. Those limits are gauged by basically a two-pronged test. If you are to put limits on a constitutional right, number one, prong number one, is there a compelling government interest in doing so? And second, is the government doing it or the governors, are they doing it through the least restrictive means? Okay. So when it comes to virus mitigation and orders like to shut down a beach and to arrest anyone assembling on a beach, which may, in many cases are public places, is there a compelling government interest? The answer there is clearly yes. We're not going to get around that one. Right, Joe? The compelling mm -hmm. government issue to stop, is to stop the spread of the virus. They, yes. That one they've got, hands gotcha. down. Mm -hmm. That is clearly a compelling government interest to interfere with a constitutional big R, God-given right, the right to assemble. Number two, they're going to fail. That's why this is not constitutional. Are they doing this? In other words, arresting people at the beach, arresting Jax Myers, who I'm going to play my interview with him in a second. Is this the least restrictive way to do this? The answer to that is clearly no. What, you're not going to go in and just ask the guy, hey, you got to shut down the business. We'll stay here till you leave. You got to lock him up. That was the least restrictive means. You're telling me locking up mom on the playground because she's with her kids? Is it, well, well, Dan, she wouldn't leave. Well, ask her to leave again. Well, she wouldn't leave. Well, ask her again. What are you, what, you got somewhere else to go? No, so we're just going to lock her up? Folks, that's not the way any of this works. You don't get to just lock people up because they disagree with you a few times. Now, granted, if she punches a police officer in the face, you're going to jail no matter what. Sure. But your job is to de-escalate. Your law, this isn't a military operation. You're law enforcement. You're law enforcement. Your job is to de-escalate, not escalate a situation. Whenever the government interferes with a constitutional right, Practice of religion. You can't have a religion that says we're going to sacrifice the firstborn. No, no, that's not going to happen. There's a compelling government interest in not engaging in human sacrifice. That number one. And mm -hmm. secondly, the least restrictive means to stop it is probably to arrest people before they do it. <laughs> if they threaten that legitimately, you get it? <laughs> the same thing with this. If you're going to interfere with people's right to assemble and operate their business, you better produce an interest and you better do it in the least restrictive way. That's not happening. And they are going to fail. There will be lawsuits. Now, without further ado, because I got a lot to get to, um, here's about a 10-minute interview yesterday. It's important. With a business owner, Jax Myers, who was hauled out of his business in handcuffs for daring to open the doors in North Carolina in conflict with, you know, now, uh, you know, tyrannical uh, Governor Cooper's edicts. Check this out. As many of my regular listeners know, I don't do interview segments within the show often. Outside of the President of the United States, it's very rare for me to have a guest. But ladies and gentlemen, we're at a critical time. Bill of Rights seems to have taken a vacation. The Constitution's being used as a tissue by overreaching political bureaucrats and real Americans are suffering. And I have one of those Americans with me right now. I have with me Mr. Jax Myers, the owner of Apex Tattoo Factory. Jax, thanks for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me, Dan. Well, let me tell you why Jax matters here and why I decided to have him on the show today. I was sitting in my house on the weekend, scrolling through Twitter, looking for show content, and I saw a rather troubling video. And when I say troubling, I'm underselling it. It was of a man being hauled out of his tattoo business for the crime in this new Orwellian era we live in of daring to open up his business and crack the door. He was subsequently hauled out in handcuffs and arrested for opening his business. That man was Jax Myers. Jax, please explain to me what happened, why you opened the business that day, and how we got to this point in your state of North Carolina. Yeah, so uh, thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. You're a great patriot. This is the big thank dog you. right here. Um, basically, what had happened was I've been attending the reopen, reopen NC uh, gatherings up uh, at the state capitol, you know, talking to small businesses. And, you know, you kind of always feel like you're alone. I was a pretty private guy before before all this stuff happened. But, you know, a lot of small business companies have multiple rents and multiple bills. And so sitting at home for seven weeks are and basically none of us are getting any kind of money or relief to help us out. So our savings are dropping double fast 
and I was feeling the pain and went out to the to this protest. And I found out that just about everybody I talked to was a small business owner. And all of them were saying the same thing as me. We were weeks away from closing. And and this was my dream, man. I've, I've been doing this. I never thought I'd be a shop owner, but I've worked really hard. I, I had to keep another job just to just to start it up. And basically what had happened was that, you know, people were speaking out against the, the closure and I'm hearing these stories and I'm, I'm feeling my own. You know, I have three daughters. I just bought a house. I also have to pay the rent and, uh, up where where my shop is. And one story, one heartbreaking story after another, I just my heart broke. And, uh, and I have a, uh, my shop. You know, you can't really see from the video that they put out there. It's a bunch of small businesses in an L shape. And so I was doing an interview with a French reporter and at my shop, she wanted to do it at my shop. So I stopped into my buddies. They're still open. And I was talking to one of the ladies that works behind the counter. And even the open small businesses are only making a third, a third of what they normally make. Everybody's everybody's cutthroat and the little guy's not getting anything. Everybody I talk to is either filed and it's and and it's still in filing or they just flat out been denied because you got to have all this fancy paperwork and the and the lines are clogged up you can't make a phone call or anything and and when i when my people right next door to my shop were suffering too that was the 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 nail in the coffin i told myself a couple questions for you on this jacks okay um your business beforehand was it relatively profitable in other words you, you the government shut you down it wasn't that you were losing yeah. you were no, going to we shut down number, anyway yeah before this we were the number one tattoo in uh shop in the state and it's just me my wife is my manager and my daughter who i'm teaching she was just about to finish her second year apprenticeship so you know this isn't some conglomerate this is a mom and pops you know work blood sweat and tears all the way from the ground shop and just to be number one in the state and and have that pride on your shoulder, you know, yeah. and just taken away for for what? I say it's that the, because the government did this to you. I mean, that's not a matter of my opinion. The same government that had you put in handcuffs and dragged out of your shop, oh, yeah. that same government did this to you. I, again, not a matter of my yeah. opinion. I'm not you. And, and I'll ask you this question next. And, and I want to keep you forever. But I'll ask you this question yeah, next yeah. about who, you know, blame and go around. But I'm just stating as a matter of fact that you were profitable. You were doing fine. And then all of a sudden the yes, government sir. comes in, puts this questionable edict out. You could have probably operated safely, but we'll leave that for another day. And then all of a sudden yeah. the same government, when you dare to show up and open your door locks you up now having said that did they issue you a warning and who actually arrests you is it um i'm familiar forgive me i'm not familiar with apex is that a a, a sheriff's department is it a is it a a police department it's a a local police it's a local police force yeah and so so i i was warned in fact i don't i don't hold any harsh feelings toward the apex pd a lot of them were my friends some of them guys are tatted up because of me and that was probably the hardest thing was putting a mark on my on my town i i lived there before i moved in january and of course my business is still there they they tried their best not to arrest me and basically the way that the the emergency um stuff that's happening in the state is going down is they acquired everybody in a row till somebody did put cuffs on me. And that's the statute that's in, in enlisted right now is that it honestly, it could have been 10 forces. They'd have went through every cop until or police, excuse me, police officer until they did find one that would have put the cuffs on me. You know, Jax, I, I, I get it. And I don't want to put you in a bad spot. I sincerely don't. Um, and when I say I get it, I've spoken to you on the phone and I think you've been yeah. unbelievably gracious to people who put you in a bad spot. You know, the fact that you're not pinning the blame on the police officer. And that's OK. Again, uh, you're the one suffering here. You're the one who put it had handcuffs on, not me. Just having been a police officer, I have to tell you, and I'm not looking to pile on police officers. I've been there. I've backed the blue my entire life. But I just yeah. think it was incredibly poor judgment. I'm, I'm not expecting it. So I don't want to put you in a bad spot. Having said that, um, 
What are your next steps here? Uh, are they threatening your license now? Are you going to be able to open up? Is there any potential for uh, a North Carolina opening up? And what have they done with the charges? Are they actually going to move forward and prosecute you for this? And what are they going to charge you oh, with? You know, felonious uh, adherence to the Bill of Rights? Well, see, what what the thing is, is the media has actually downplayed the crap out of this. They cut most of my story out. They charged me with a class one misdemeanor, which they're not reporting in a $2,000 fine. OK, they did charge me. They did process me. I do have a court date. This was no no show for for the sake of showboating. And the goal is truthfully. They put us all in our houses in a matter of a week or so. So the, if these people, my people, North Carolina people are suffering, and this isn't about me anymore. This is about all North Carolina businesses in opening as soon as possible, just as quick as they got that relief money out. They need to subside and go back to their communist house or wherever the hell they come from and let us open North Carolina. I can tell you're pretty pissed. I don't blame you, brother. I not I don't blame you one bit. Not, well, listen, I'm, I'm going to leave it there with you, but I want to make a little announcement on my show. I haven't told you about this, right? He's like, what is he talking about? Um, you kind of have an idea, I'd guess, but I'm coming up there. I'm promising you now. Um, I am coming up there for a tattoo. I'm hoping to bring a few friends. We're going to wait. I don't want to put you in any trouble. We're going to wait just so the North Carolina, wherever the communists in North Carolina, we're not doing anything illegal to put Jackson. We're going to wait for the store to legally open because I don't want to put Jax on the spot, but we're going to go up awesome. there. I'll bring one of my camera guy. We'll put it on the show. I don't even want another tattoo. Maybe you could clean up the ones I got now. I got one here, got one here, got one there. Maybe you could do that, well, but we're going to do a people? tattoo. What's that? <laughs> we got to give you a we the people tattoo. But I wouldn't mind that at all. Maybe we'll throw one across the top of my back. My wife was like, you're not getting another tattoo. I said, for Jax and for the cause of liberty, I am getting another tattoo. And I, I want to pay for it in advance. So I'd like, you know, Paula to reach out, my wife, and I'd like to figure out a way to pay for that in advance. And uh, maybe cover someone else's tattoo, too, just to get you some money. In the hey, it's just a legitimate business transaction. I'm just paying in advance. So, all right, Jax, does that work for you? Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. I really do appreciate. And hey, we need to reopen North Carolina. Everybody stand together. Let's stand up together. Let's hey, unity, numbers, Thanks, all of it. Let's, America let's needs to violent. hear from more people willing to stand up like yourself. Hey, you have a website? I know you do. I saw, but give your website out so people can go there. If you're anywhere, anywhere in the Northeast, matter of fact, if you're anywhere in the world, we have a big audience and they are the best. I am not kidding. And you need a yeah. tattoo. Go to Jax's website and schedule a tattoo when he opens so the communists can't arrest him. What's your website? It's www.apextattoofactory.com. Apex, A-P-E-X, tattoofactory.com. Everyone, let's crash this website today. This will be the best website crash oh, ever. Everyone go there today and schedule a tattoo oh, wow. with Jax at some point. <laughs> Help this guy. He was willing to stand up. Hey, Jax, listen, hey, man, man, thanks you for your time. The other day. Hey, I appreciate you too, man. Uh, keep up the good fight, man. You're <laughs> Yeah, we're trying. All right, man. We'll talk. We'll keep the audience updated and we will film that tattoo thing. Talk to you soon. Now, as you can see from my interview with Jax there, uh, he's quite upset. Jax is obviously not happy about what happened. And as I said, for those of you following me, I'm going to do my best to highlight and help business owners across America who are doing the best to feed their kids and to stay afloat. I'm going to do my best, folks. I can't help everyone, but I'm going to try. Because I honestly and candidly speaking, I feel really awful about what's going on right now. I feel terrible. And I know a lot of you do too. And I feel like I need to do more. So I'm going to go up there and uh, hopefully bring a few friends. I'm going to get a tattoo with Jax. When he opens, I don't want to get him in any more trouble. But I'm going to get a tattoo. I don't need another one, but I'm going to get one anyway. We'll decide. We haven't decided yet. Hey, audience suggestions are great. Send them over. I'm at Bongino on Twitter. We'll get some good... And, and yeah, Paula's got to, she is, Paula just added, she has to approve too. Um, it's a couple more on this lockdown block here, my show, the A block of my show in TV lingo. You know, these snitch hotlines? Yeah. You know, people, losers who are snitching on people for like oh, daring yeah. to open their business and trying to feed their kids. People who, who will be starving soon if nothing changes. Yeah, well, there are snitches. I have no respect for you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're on the wrong show. If you think like that's the way to do this, 
you know, a guy's conducting illicit haircuts in his opera. I'm going to snitch. Please go elsewhere. I'm really, this show is not for you. I'm not interested. Snitching on your name. Now, listen, if they're committing like a serious crime, we get it. Obviously, you know, there's a, a good, you know, public eyeballs there are great. But snitching on your neighbors for, you know, trying to feed their kids and earn a buck to pay the rent. Nah, I'm sorry. Beat it. Get lost. You're not, I, this is not the place for you. I, I don't want your downloads. I don't want your money. I don't want anything. Now, in a moment of uh, hilarity, they tried this in Harris County, Texas, I believe. Here's KPRC, which is one of the radio stations out there. Uh, Harris County judges snitch website goes offline in less than 24 hours. <laughs> Joe, Joe, wait, wait, wait. Shh, don't laugh yet. Don't, right. That's not even the funny. I know that it gets. So how do I phrase this, Paula? Um, I have to be very diplomatic with why this place went offline. I'm, as I adjust my, uh, my content here. Um, so apparently people were submitting to the snitch website, uh, photographs of bodily organs. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm holding the gavel upside down for I a reason. Um, <laughs> I know you did. Probably fascinating photos. Oh. I'm not suggesting anyone should do that. Let me be clear. Keep your bodily organs to yourself. I'm just saying. Oh, my gosh. I got to stop a second. I'm laughing, my, oh, laughing at my own jokes, which you should never do. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to open up a snitch hotline that Probably 99% of Americans are really offended at the idea that you want us to rat on our neighbors who are trying to feed their kids. And you may get pictures of bodily organs. Not saying you should do that, but they may. They may come in. Okay. Uh, one more article uh, I, I found um, interesting in an ironic kind of way. Reason. This is up at the show notes. Read this article. It's up at BonginoReport.com too. If you want to subscribe to my newsletter, Bongino.com slash newsletter, that is the show notes. I send you these articles every day. We don't spam your inbox. We only send out an email a day. Reason, be warned, coronavirus snitches. You too may be snitched on. From the piece, you're going to go snitching on people? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not sure you're aware, but a lot of that's public record. From the reason piece, the Ooh. county, this is a county in St. Louis, received more than 900 complaints by snitches, I made it. And the complaints apparently are not anonymous. Indeed, they're public records subject to the state's sunshine laws. Now people who are angry at the extent and duration of the government lockdown orders are using those laws to expose the people who filed the complaints. The tipsters apparently are now worried about retaliation. Oh, now you're worried. Now you're worried. So you snitch on a business, you put their name out, get them in all kinds of trouble with the cops. And now you're worried about retaliation. I was just doing the right thing. No, you're a snitch. You weren't doing the right thing. You're being a nosy body. I was doing it for public health. Really? With a barber with gloves on and a mask? A tattoo artist who's probably sitting there in a hazmat suit? Give me a break. Hard pass on you. Is that a suggestion I should do another spot? Mm. Paula's just taking over the show now. Usually I do the spots when I want. Now she's taking over behind the scenes, hitting buttons and making sure I get to these spots. All right, I got All right, I got to get to this Flynn stuff. Don't go anywhere. This Flynn stuff is killer. Piling on yesterday's show. Believe it or not, as Joe always says, and I always say, Joe, whenever we think it's not going to get worse, yeah. it always does. Ugh. All right, today's show also brought to you by our friends at Ollie. This is the best dog food out there. You know what? I take that back. This is the best food for dogs. I'll tell you why I changed that in a minute. Because Ollie puts dogs first with vet formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients to give your dog the healthiest food possible. My dogs, Baby and Linda, will not eat anything else. It's a simple, look at those. Look, if you're watching on YouTube, look at those beauties. Who is that? That's the baby boy right there. I can't, I gotta check that out. The baby, look at the baby boy. Why does he look like that? Because he eats Ollie. Baby's 12 years old or 11. Who knows? He doesn't have a birthday party every year. Ali makes fresh meals for dogs with real ingredients that people can eat and delivers them to you on a regular schedule. That's why I don't want to call it dog food. It's food for dogs. Dog food has this negative connotation. This is wholesome food dogs eat. Human beings can eat this too. Not kidding. Ollie beat out store-bought dog food at 10 to 1 on the palatability scale. Why? Because it tastes good. They create custom-formulated, vet-formulated recipes, excuse me, with an all-natural with all-natural ingredients, no preservatives, and sourced fresh from U.S. family farms. Go to myollie.com slash try slash Bongino. 
Go there today, answer a few questions about your dog, and they'll customize recipes to your dog and ship pre-portioned delicious meals so your pup gets the perfect portion every time. Five million meals have been delivered and counting. Shipping is free. And if your dog doesn't like the meals, they'll have a money-back guarantee. Your dog won't like the meals. You're like, what? They'll love the meals. My dogs won't eat anything else. Ollie's offering our listeners 60% off your first box, plus a free bag of treats at myolly.com slash try. Get the website right, slash Bongino, so you can get this deal. It's the best deal anyway. Okay, go to myolly.com slash try, T-R-Y, slash Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, for 60% off plus a free bag of treats. Spelled myolly.com slash try, slash Bongino. Go today. Your dogs are going to love it. Okay, let's knock out the Flynn block of today's show because what's happening to General Mike Flynn is a cosmic disgrace. By the way, I, I think I said he was a two-star. He's a three-star general. Forgive me. Sometimes in the heat of the show, <laughs> I, things just get lost, but corrections are important. So I have to set this up a little bit yesterday because I want to be sure why, again, you understand without doing yesterday's block over again, why Flynn was targeted. Again, you know the, the backstory. He didn't like the Iran deal. Obama wanted the Iran deal. He was Obama's DIA director, Defense Intelligence Agency. Obama hated Flynn. End of story. He even warns Trump about Flynn. The intelligence community did not like Mike Flynn. Uh, many people in it couldn't stand him. It's in my next book. I go into all the background because Flynn thought our battlefield intelligence, remember, he's the Defense Intelligence Agency, the corollary on the military side to the CIA. All right. He's suggesting to the intelligence community, Joe, hey, listen, this model of intelligence gathering you guys are doing on the battlefield sucks. Pardon my French. It's mm -hmm. not working out. So the intelligence community, these entrenched bureaucracies are like, hey, screw this guy. Huh. Yep. Then they find out, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to be the national security advisor to the President Trump incoming. We better get rid of this guy's stat. Also, Flynn gets this letter from the UK, United Kingdom during the transition period, suggesting that, hey, you know, um, that guy, Christopher Steele, that they had this dossier that they were using to spy on the Trump campaign team. Yeah, we think he's full of it. Flynn, a trained intelligence professional, folks, is like, what? Remember the Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker scene? Mm -hmm. Comes in, he's got all charcoal on his face from the fight. And Aunt, uh, Aunt May's like, hey, Peter, what were you doing? He goes, I was cleaning the chimney. She goes, we don't have a chimney. He goes, what? Flynn at some point gets that briefing that they were spying on Trump using Steele's information. And he gets a letter from the UK saying Steele's full of crap. And he says, what? And Flynn starts asking questions and the intelligence community does not like questions, especially when they were spying on President Trump. So let's walk through this just quickly yesterday. How do we know Flynn was asking questions? Because it's right there in the IG report. The Inspector General report and the FBI's dreadful actions during the Spygate probe. Here it is right there. Jim Comey, remember the week, the first and second weeks of January of 2017 are critical. This whole thing comes to a head. President Trump is right about to take office. He's the president-elect. And on January 6th, hack Jim Comey meets with President Trump. Mike Flynn is there and starts briefing him about parts of the dossier. And in the IG report, we read that Comey actually emailed members of the FBI and stated that a member of Trump's national security team during this January 6th briefing Interesting. Oh, January 7th, excuse me, briefing mm -hmm. that Comey says a member of Trump's national security team asked during the briefing whether the FBI was trying to dig into the subsources, steal subsources. Oh, 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 I hope a lot of you got this yesterday. That's why I'm bringing it up again today, because it is that important to understanding why Mike Flynn had to be removed. He's asking questions. Comey put it in an email because he's stupid. <laughs> Comey yep. put it in an FBI email. Hey, uh, that national security guy, that's Flynn. We were briefing Trump about the PP tape stuff. And Flynn started asking, hey, are those sources legit? Why is Joe, why is Flynn asking that question? Well, because he knows the answer. Right. Flynn's not really asking if the sources are legitimate. He's doing this, Joe. Are those sources legitimate? Because I've got a letter from the Brits saying otherwise. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comey freaks out. The plot to get rid of Flynn is hatched. Now, how do we know Flynn knows his sources are crap? Because as Sidney Powell, Mike Flynn's lawyer, put in her legal filing, 
The British embassy delivered a letter to Flynn after Trump's election and to Obama's national security advisor, Susan Rice. They know, too. The letter apparently disavows former British Secret Service agent Christopher Steele and calls his credibility into question and declares him untrustworthy. Flynn knew this chapter of my next book is killer. We finished it last night. Got a researcher working with me on this. It is really good. I know self-praise things, but I've worked really hard on it. And I'm proud of it. Flynn knew. Not only is he an enemy of the intelligence community, he's got a double whammy, Joe. The IC hates him, the intelligence community. And he knows the whole thing's a hoax. Steals a hoax. Hmm. The whole thing's a hoax. And he starts asking questions. Devastating. So as the great Andy McCarthy points out in his piece in National Review, which will be in the show notes again today, I encourage you to read it. It's really good. It's a pretty good timeline about why, again, and what I'm telling you, why they needed to get rid of Flynn mm. because Flynn knew. National Review, Andy McCarthy. The FBI set Flynn, Flynn up to preserve the Trump-Russia probe. Read this piece. Again, Bongino.com slash newsletter. I will send you these articles. There's a lot of great takeaways in the piece, so I encourage you to read the whole thing. But in the interest of time, here is the one golden nugget in there. Remember, McCarthy's arguing the same thing I am. They had to get rid of Flynn because he knew about this Trump-Russia probe, and he knows it's a hoax. Quote, McCarthy, Trump was a political phenomenon, but a novice when it came to governance. He was, not his fault, folks. He, was, you know, he wasn't a politician. He was supported by the Republican foreign policy. Oh, he was, excuse me, it's important. He was not Hi. supported by the Republican, I'm doing, now I'm doing what they did to Lovinger. He was not supported <laughs> by the Republican foreign policy and national security clerisy, which had gone out of its way to antagonize him in the campaign. The staff he brought into the government consisted mainly of loyalists. They were some skilled advisors too, but their experience was not in the national security realm. Here we, this gets interesting. The exception was Flynn. The former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency knew how the spy agencies worked. He knew where and how they kept secrets. He had enough scars from his tangles with the intelligence bureaucracy that he knew how the game was played. He knew how intelligence officials exploited information or selectively withheld it. <laughs> oh, yeah, Andy. I love Andy. Even when we heads a little bit. One of the smartest attorneys out there. And a really, really good man. McCarthy nails it. Flynn knew where the bodies were buried. Not only know where the bodies were buried because of the letter the UK sent him, he starts talking about it to Comey. Hey, um, that guy stealed. Is those sources legit? Comey's probably like, um, hey guys, did we even interview Steel sources? Nah. Uh, we didn't. Conveniently, Steel sources his main primary subsource gets interviewed. About a week later, and they find out that the primary subsource they should have interviewed before they swore his information was right, Joe. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to swear a guy's information is true, Joe, do you think maybe you should ask him first? Yeah, it's a it's a not a trick. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you got it. Good idea. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) kind of big, right? Yeah, kind of. Steele's primary subsource said this. Did you interview the primary subsource? Flynn's asking. Um, no. Kind of a problem, or to quote Armacost. Yeah, kind of a big thing to interview him. I would agree. Joe would have been a better FBI agent than these morons at the top. <laughs> See, at least Joe would have interviewed the subsource. Yeah, I would have. They interview him after Flynn's question, not before. Why? Because they've got their fingers crossed and they're desperately hoping this guy's going to be legit. He's not. He shows up to the interview and goes, hey, I didn't say that to steal. You idiots got hoaxed. So then, of course, they have to start this the next week, this January 12th thing, because now they know that they've been spying on the president based strictly on a political hoax started by Hillary Clinton. It's as simple as that. So as I said yesterday, and this is where the new info starts to come in, they figure to themselves, Joe, um, okay, so we can't say we've turned into the political hoax falling for political hoax FBI. So let's just say we fell for Russian disinformation. That's probably less damaging. So that starts, if you look at footnote 350, as I said yesterday, on January 12th. Here's a footnote to the IG report where they indicate that on January 12th, that some of the information they didn't have high confidence in Steele's reporting and assess that it may be Russian disinformation. You can see it in the middle of this footnote right here. 
So someone at the FBI, clearly around January 12th, around the time they're interviewing the primary subsource, they should have interviewed before they used this information, uh, as Joe says, kind of a big thing. Yeah. Now they figure, gosh, we better not say that we spied on the Trump team due to a Hillary Clinton paid political hoax. Let's just say the Russians got us. That doesn't sound as bad. So that plot gets hatched with the media on January 12th. Why is January 12th important? Well, what else happens on, literally on January 12th? Well, I did a little Google search and I put FISA renewals. In other words, the renewal of the warrant to spy on the Trump team. And Joe, just a question here. Mm -hmm. Would it be crazy? I mean, really nuts. Yeah. If the FISA warrant to spy on Carter Page and essentially the Trump team by mm -hmm. default, that they were relying on the Steele dossier to get, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be really crazy if the same day they hatched the Russian disinformation plot, January 12th, yeah. after Flynn starts asking questions on January 7th, wouldn't it be really nuts if the FISA warrant was actually renewed to continue to spy on the Trump team on January 12th? Would that be crazy? Oh, Dan, that's really crazy, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. So just a simple Google search, you come up with this, yeah. and you'd be like, no way. Here we go, justice.gov. The first FISA application was on October 21st, and the three renewal applications were on January 12th, April 7th, and June 29th. Uh, uh, wouldn't that be nuts? The same day they hatched the Russian disinformation plot, somebody goes, hey, by the way, we better get on that FISA. But you may say to yourself, some of you legal eagles out there, something I noticed, they don't just hatch, they didn't write the thing up on January 12th. My experience with people in the intel community and others. Now, to be clear, I have not sworn out a warrant in front of the FISA court. I've sworn out warrants before, many of them in the criminal course, but not the FISA courts. But I know a lot of these folks and some decent sources have gotten back to me and said, Dan, you'd never guess. But how long do you think it takes? The FISA court generally requests a certain notification time lag. Like, in other words, hey, we're going to come with you. You don't just show up at the FISA court. You know what I'm saying, Joe? Mm -hmm. We're going to okay. show up and we're going to arrive. With they need notification. Okay. So how far out do you think they typically request notification before you show up in court and swear out a warrant? Wouldn't it be really crazy if the FISA courts, Joe, said, hey, we need seven days to process these warrants? Mm -hmm. Because seven days from January 12th would be when? Would be January 5th. And what happened on January 5th? Oh. Oh, January 5th was the meeting in the Obama White House between Susan Rice, who knows Steele's information is a hoax, James Comey, and others. You know the meeting that just yeah. days later, what, on January 20th, Susan Rice writes an email and says, hey, we had this January 5th in the meeting in the White House with Obama, and he told us to do everything by the book. You know, the CYA email mm -hmm. or the cover her mm, email. Isn't that weird? So January 5th, all of the Spygate colluders who now know this is a total hoax, the UK's telling them, January 5th, 2017, they meet in the Obama White House. Susan Rice is like, no, no, nothing was said. It was all by the book. Weird email, right? And then seven days later, a time period, generally the FISA court requests, seven days later, they appear in court on the same day they hatched the Russian disinformation plot to renew the FISA warrant to spy on Mike Flynn, excuse me, to spy on Carter Page. And the Trump team by default. Nothing to see here, media folks. Don't you worry at all. All these timelines, it's just a quinky dink, man. No worries. Everybody, all the Spygate plotters meet in the Obama Oval Office. Seven days later, magically, a FISA warrant appears on the same day they hatch a plot to say, no, it was Russian disinformation. It wasn't the Steele dossier. What a bunch of dopes. Or it was Russian disinformation in the steel dossier. Idiots. Thought we wouldn't track them down. What a bunch of morons. All right. My final sponsor. I got, Folks, I got a lot more. So it's going to be a loaded show today. Got some really good content ahead. Don't go anywhere. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Liquid IV. Folks, this is probably Paula's favorite sponsor. Uh, she really loves Liquid IV because she works out on uh, on the bike and she works out downstairs in the garage and we live in Florida and it's super hot 
Believe it or not, dehydration occurs in three out of four people. Not in this house because we use liquid IV. This stuff is pretty cool. You take out one of these travel-friendly, TSA-friendly packs. You pop off the top. It tastes delicious. What is this? This is lemon-lime. You dump it in a, uh, an eight-ounce glass so, uh, you, uh, in a bottle of water. Excuse me. Drink it. tastes delicious. And it's thing, I'm telling you, this is like your muscles just suck up dehydration. It's a beautiful thing. Stay hydrated. Don't get dry skin anymore. That's the, it's hard to stay hydrated with water alone. You have to drink eight full glasses of eight-ounce water. Water, uh, eight ounce glasses of water a day. Thankfully, liquid IV is the fastest, most efficient way for you to stay hydrated, especially down here when it's super hot. But it's not only for hot climates. You can get dehydrated anywhere. What makes liquid IV so effective? They have cellular transport technology. That's the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium, which delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream to keep you super hydrated and ready to rock and roll. You know, you can get tired when you're dehydrated, really tired. It's a perfect balance to help you hydrate quickly and more effective than water alone. One stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water can give you as much hydration and two to three as two to three bottles of plain water. This is really good stuff. We love it. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Target, Whole Foods, and Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Bongino at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code Bongino at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today. Put this in a 16-ounce bottle of water. You are ready to go. Get better hydration at liquidiv.com. Use promo code Bongino. You can also find them nationwide at Target, Whole Foods, or Costco. Good stuff. You really like it. Go check it out. All right. So I'm a little worried about this story. Um, actually, I'm a lot worried about this story. We asked the president about it. And I, again, I would have liked to follow up on a lot of these questions, but I was limited in my time with him. If you haven't checked out my interview with President Trump, uh, please do it. It's on our YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to my show. The Washington Examiner, ladies and gentlemen, we are borrowing a catastrophic amount of money. Uh, look at this story. It'll be up in the show notes today. We are scheduled to borrow. This is ridiculous. This is an unfathomable amount of money. Treasury to borrow $3 trillion in the second quarter, far more than during the financial crisis. Folks, listen to me. Put this in context. Our entire economy is about $22 to $24 trillion. The value of every single thing we produce is worth about $22 to $24 trillion. I say $22 to $24 because we don't know the damage this is going to do. It could be less. The coronavirus response. We borrowed $3 trillion just in this due to the coronavirus response we're already 22 plus trillion in debt folks we know everything we owe excuse me we owe every single thing the value of our entire economy and i ask you if this was transplanted to a microeconomic scale and this was your household let's say your entire collective uh income earning potential via what you produce is a value of stuff worth a hundred thousand dollars and you owe you owe to creditors $100,000. And then you borrowed another, say, $10,000, dollars $30,000. And then next year, you're projected to borrow, you know, twenty dollars or $30,000 more. Folks, there's no pathway here to fix this if we don't get a hold on this now. When this stops and we get a hold and we get hopefully some kind of our uh, economic response back where our economy starts to grow again, if they don't get a hold of government spending, you are going to see inflation on a scale we've never seen before in the history of the United States. You think it was bad in the 1980s with double-digit inflation? Imagine going to the store every day and the price goes up by the week for a loaf of bread. What happens, folks? That's how economies collapse. We can fix this, but it is going to require a serious bipartisan commitment to getting a hold of this. And I, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. The Democrats seem to be enjoying the spending binge, uh, binge. They love it. They just want more. Read that story. Big trouble. And when inflation kicks in, what happens? Interest rates go up. You want to go get a car loan at 25%? How about a mortgage at 15? Oh. 15, how about even more? We were there. I mean, that's not going to yeah. happen. Really? It happened in the 1980s. Did you miss that? It'll happen again. All right, moving on. Uh, Daily Caller has a great piece. I featured it yesterday at BonginoReport.com, the conservative alternative to the now dreadful liberal Drudge Report with their 1940s DOS technology. Daily Caller, exclusive majority of the intelligence community agencies believe coronavirus leaked out of a Wuhan lab, senior official says, by Peter Hassan at the Daily Caller. That can't be. The coronavirus leaked out of a, the lab in Wuhan, China? That can't possibly be. We were told by the serious people, Joe, at the Washington Post, you know, democracy dies in the darkness. Yes. We were told that's a conspiracy theory and we're all lunatics. You don't remember? Here's the Washington Post. 
This is an actual article at the Washington Post when Tom Cotton months ago mentioned this same thing. Paulina, whatever her name, I can't see her last name because my eyesight's going. What is it? For, for We've mentioned it. Farasi, I'm sorry. But it, fake news specialist, clearly. Tom Cotton keeps repeating a coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked. Clearly not the, the, by the way, the quote conspiracy theory she's referring to is the fact that this may have leaked out of a lab in China. Paulina clearly doesn't have any intelligence context because that's not exactly what the intelligence community is saying. They're actually saying the opposite now. Now, you can never rely on the dreadful WHO clearly to tell you the truth either. Remember the WHO, the World Health Organization, early in this? We have no evidence of human-to-human transmission. These Trump travel bans from China are unnecessary and ridiculous. The WHO, why we're funding this, this disaster of an organization, I don't know. So now we have the intelligence community stating the obvious here, that this thing probably leaked from a lab in China, mm. this vi- virus, because mm-hmm. it was President Bats and they were doing research in Bats. It's kind of like, you know, the timeline works out pretty well. Here's the WHO at The Guardian always stepping in the breach to clearly not take uh, but to screw up the situation even worse. The WHO states that has no evidence to support the speculative COVID-19 lab theory. Remember, these are the same idiots that the WHO told us. No evidence of human-to-human transmission, folks. What are they doing here? Again, this is a whole chapter in my new book, too, which we haven't gotten to yet, but the research is there. Uh, why we're funding them, I have no idea. Follow the money. Follow the money. Is the WHO in the back pocket of China, despite the fact that we pay absurd amounts of money to WHO? Exponentially more, maybe, than China does. Come on. They're clearly touting Chinese propaganda at this point. And so are these liberal uh, dopes. Okay. Uh, Quick on Ratcliffe. Moving on. John Ratcliffe, who was an excellent congressional representative from Texas and has been all over this Spygate disaster. Ratcliffe was nominated to be the DNI, Director of National Intelligence, a very powerful position. That confirmation hearing is going on uh, today. The left, ladies and gentlemen, is panicking. Here's a known leftist on Twitter I follow. He'll probably block me after today, but whatever. I follow him for kind of what like the liberal talking points of the day will be. Here's Sam Stein tweeting the dreadful uh, Daily Beast. The campaign Twitter account from Trump's head Intel nominee, John Ratcliffe, follows Pizzagators, JFK Jr., conspiracists, a 9-11 truther account, which is one follower besides himself. This is your scoop? That the Twitter account of Ratcliffe, who probably doesn't even manage himself, follows people you don't like? That's, that's, that's it? That Really? That's your scoop? The Daily Beast, that Will Summer, one of the absolute worst reporters I have ever seen in my life, this guy, this is their big scoop. Who's following who on Twitter? This is it. That, that's it, Joe. Forget it. You gotta get now, why are they panicking yeah. about Ratcliffe? Ladies and gentlemen, they're in a little bit of a conundrum right now. Because the acting director of national intelligence now is a bull, man. He is all over them in the intel community. It's Rick Rennell, ambassador to Germany. He's acting in the DNI now. Rick Grinnell has been all over the intelligence community saying, hey, guys, ladies, how are we justifying what we do? Are we declassifying information the American public should see? And they're furious. So their choice now is, do we accept Ratcliffe as the full-time DNI who's going to start asking questions? Or do we stick with Grinnell, the acting DNI, who's asking questions now? Ask questions tomorrow. Ask questions now. Ask questions tomorrow. Ask questions now. The answer is they don't have many good options, the the intelligence community. They're freaking out about Ratcliffe, but option two, continued Grinnell work, is not going to do them much good either. All right, my last story today, I appreciate your patience. Today's a long long show, but it's worth it. Uh, Last night uh, on Hannity, Sidney Powell was on before me for my segment with Sean. Sidney Powell is Mike Flynn's lawyer. She brings up a fascinating point I want you to pay very close attention to. She is General Mike Flynn's attorney in this case now, which I'm I'm convinced is going to be thrown out, this fake lying to the FBI case. And I want you to remember before this segment, Flynn is interviewed at the White House clearly to set him up. That's obvious at this point. They want to get him to say something that doesn't comport with the transcript of his call with Ambassador Kislyak in December of 2016. He's interviewed in January of 2017. They have the transcript. 
why they're interviewing Flynn about a transcript of a call they already have is ridiculous. They're only doing it to get Flynn in a perjury trap to get him fired because remember I opened up the show, Flynn knows. Here's the catch. The original 302, the summary of that interview, the written summary called an FBI 302. We don't know where that is. We know there are other drafts of it. And we know that from the text messages and the emails of Peter Stroke and Lisa Page, Peter Stroke, one of the people who interviewed Flynn, that they're really worried, Joe, about preserving the voice of people involved in the interview through the drafts. Preserving the voice. They either said what they said or they didn't. What do you mean preserving the voice? Listen to Sidney Powell, who's issued this discovery motion saying, hey, we want everything you got from the government and from the lawyers who used to represent Flynn. Listen to Sidney Powell talk about this 302. Check this out. Strzok talks about trying to keep the previous agent's voice in it. He has edited it so much. We still don't have the original 302. We know there's another draft from the Strzok page text messages. And from Covington, we're still trying to get Eric Holder and Michael Chertoff's emails, phone records, and possible text messages among the Covington lawyers themselves discussing General Flynn and also any communications between Eric Holder and Loretta Lynch or Sally Yates about the Flynn matter. What? Mm. There may be communications between Eric Holder, Sally Yates, Michael Chertoff, Bush's the Department of Homeland Security head. You may say, what does that have to do with anything? Eric Holder, Obama's former attorney general, was a partner at Flynn's old law firm. Are there communications between him and others? What do those communications say? Is there a conversation with Peter Stroke about editing their summary of the interview? Why would you need to edit it? Either Flynn said something or he didn't. Why are there so many edits and drafts and efforts to preserve people's voices? More coming in that case. I'm going to try to get Sidney Powell General Flynn's attorney on an interview show this week. I'll keep you updated. I'll see him, you know, the interview shows. We, when we think we have something to say, we do interviews. When we don't, we don't. But if I can get uh, Miss Powell on this week, that should be fascinating, don't you think? All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please go to youtube.com slash Bongino and subscribe to our video show. It is free, no cost to you at all. We put a lot of work into it. We always appreciate we're almost at 500,000 subscribers. It's moving really fast. We got 14,000 more just over the past few days. YouTube.com slash Bongino. Thanks a lot. We'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.